0: What's up everyone, welcome to episode 8 of the Noise Podcast. I am your host slash your boy Chris Pugh and I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. How are you getting on Sam? Can't complain my man, how about yourself? I am very good, a very interesting episode ahead. I am uh, happy slash concerned about what's going to come from this episode. (laughs) Me too. Stacked as fuck, we could call this episode I tell you. We're going to run through the news, we've got a feature from Sam which we're going to discuss on I'm excited to start. We're going to talk about music streaming and how that impacts uh, musical society, I guess. I went to see Blood Youth uh, last week. We'll talk about that. Then we got reviews on a new album from Lotus Eater and Venom Prison. And at the end of this episode, I did an interview with James Joseph from Holding Absence. A really cool look and delve into their self-titled record, which me and Sam both enjoyed, which you should definitely stick around for the end of that episode to hear. Before we get into that, though, merch... Noise.BigCartel.com, T-shirt and beanie, same for £15.50, literally the beanie's free, what the fuck are you waiting for? And we are nominated for Best Music Press in the Cardiff Music Awards, go to CardiffMusicAwards.com and you can vote for us to win Best Music Press, I think we've got one week left of voting, um, so yeah, this this podcast comes out on Tuesday, which would be tomorrow, uh, so yeah, we've got like six days left to vote for us, do us a five, man, if we win it, would be literally the greatest thing ever. We're going to have to crack straight on with this show because we've got so much to go through. I'm, concerned Chris, I'm, I'm I'm actually worried that I might not get to work tomorrow. <laughs> I'm worried this will be like the longest podcast of all time. Uh, just before <laughs> we do it, just before we do actually get into the news. Um, just, I want to ask you like a quick question. Yes. Travis Barker. Yeah. Can you can you think of a band that has a member that is absolutely, like, the best member by an absolute clear distance
1: as much as Travis Barker and Blink-182? Off the, uh, top of your, off the top of your head, off the top of your head, it's difficult. But the only no, unless there's bands where it's like so and so and the blanks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Jimi Hendrix and the Jimi Hendrix Experience doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, or Elvis Presley and his backing band. They they're, they're like outliers. Um, but really, no. Maybe Flea, maybe. But yeah, like John Frusciante. John Frasciante really fucking was good. fucking incredible as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's it, it's it's a really tough one for me. I'm going to I'm going to say no off the top of my head. But I, I'm going to feel like every metal fan is going to shout, oh, hey, what about the keyboard player of <laughs> Dimu Borgir or something like that? And I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot about that when I was hanging from the cathedral of the Romanian prison or something like that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I, I don't know.
0: The the reason why it came to me is because just literally as I came on, um, as we were coming on to do this, I just saw, like, something flash about him on YouTube, um, and it just quickly rekindled my absolute adoration for him, man. He's the fucking, he's unbelievable. Pop punk should not have a drummer of his quality, (laughs) like, in in, in no way, shape or form.
1: Yeah, he's wasted in that genre, isn't he? Like, like it allows him to sort of spread his wings a little bit and do what the fuck he wants. But if you imagine Travis Barker in a metal band just for like thirty seconds, please, like, could you just imagine him in like a thrash band? Oh, damned! <laughs> It'd be wonderful.
0: Did you know that he? And I only to say it because I listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast a, uh, a few days ago. He actually produced Fever Three Three Three's record. I want to see a video of him and Arikin Prota, who who is the drummer for Fever Three Three Three, in a room together. <laughs>
1: Oh, that'd be fantastic, I want to see that it? shit,
0: man, because Arik is fucking unbelievable as well. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see some fucking videos of that when that eventually comes out. To be
1: out. fair, no wonder it sounds so tribal. Like, you can really... And that sort of makes sense when you put that name in that, that mix a little bit. That's quite good.
0: The thought of Travis Barker and Jason in the studio also excites me.
1: The thought of any future project that involves Travis Barker and Jason in general. Um, <laughs> can you, yeah, I, let's
0: make that happen, actually, if we can.
1: Yeah, Let Live Reunion with Travis Barker on drums. Stop <laughs> I'm
0: just calling it right <laughs> just now Let's go the news Because I could talk to you it Two hours about that alone <laughs> <laughs> Let's go New Slipknot album Me and you spoke about this On the first ever episode Of the Noise podcast actually We were talking about How much we're looking forward to it And how Unless Unless something bad happens It should be The, the Stealer For the year In terms of album quality uh, New album is going to be out On August 9th It hasn't got a name yet uh, But it's going to be Album 6 for Slipknot Sam do we even need to ask If you're excited I am incredibly
1: excited. You do not need to ask now.
0: Uh, Clarence, Sean Crayon, said that this is a similar album for a new generation. And the ki- I said I didn't like that they were doing this, but they keep making these nods like it's the most brutal thing we've done in years and it's the heaviest thing we've mm-hmm. done since Iowa. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I couldn't be more excited for it. I think that... Set a
1: precedent, doesn't it, though?
0: All Hope Is Gone and The Grey Chapter struggled in the sense of they, they were following the subliminal verses I wear in the debut record um, you know you listen to All Hope Is Gone and there's still loads of bangers on there uh, Dead Memory Psychosocial I mean fucking absolute rippers uh. but you know that album suffered from the fact that people could tell that Slipknot weren't in a good place at the time and then The Grey Chapter suffered a little bit from I it received criticism that it sounded like Star and Seven but I, I don't think it sounded like Star and Seven but it was the Slipknot album that sounds the most like Stone Seller
1: out of that's, the five. Yeah, I think I think that's fair enough. It, it was it was noticeably less intense than than some of the others. But that being said, the band were paying a tribute to to Paul Gray that maybe they might not have done at that time if he'd have died in that sort of manner.
0: Hey, that's it, man. And there's three songs on the Gray chapter: AOV, uh, Custer, and uh, Devil in I. And they're three fucking bangers, man. They really are awesome. So I really like the negative
1: one as well. I think that's a really good tune. The negative
0: one's naughty. Really brought um, Jay, the new drummer, into the yeah, play. man. Really, really well, man. I like.
1: Yeah, I like he, that he's one, talented. Man.
0: So I, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do for this now. Uh, you know, they're in their mid forties now. So when they say, oh, it's going to be one of the most intense things we've done in years," if it is, then you'd have to imagine that album six is where they leave behind the. We're cutting each other up in the studio. You saw that picture of the, of um, Jay on the drums, like there was blood all over his drumsticks and all over his snare, and that you just think, "Fuck, you what are these guys doing in the studio?"
1: Yeah, I know. It's very exciting to consider what the sort of materials are coming out, and and obviously given the the recent news surrounding them as well, it's. Uh it would be interesting how that actually gets funneled into the, the music itself.
0: Speaking of recent news, I'm glad you brought that up. So, the percussionist, Chris, I think I think his last name is pronounced Fenn.
1: I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh,
0: Chris Fenn has left the band. Um, literally, I think it was like today this was announced. Yeah, now, it was. it's worth mentioning that Chris had uh, launched uh, a lawsuit against Slipknot, don't want to go into the details on that one because much like with the Architects thing when they pulled out of that festival, I don't know all the details. All I know is that it was a legal dispute revolving money and how much he was receiving for certain parts of the band. Just going to read through um, some statements that was released today from Slipknot. Uh, the statements on Slipknot's website read: Slipknot's focus is on making album 6 and, upcoming sh- and making... Th- Album 6 and upcoming shows around the world are best ever. Chris knows why he's no longer a part of Slipknot. We are disappointed that he chose to point fingers and manufacture claims rather than doing what was necessary to continue to be part of Slipknot. We would have preferred he not take the path that he has, but evolution in all things is a necessary part of life. Long live the knot. Uh, Chris hasn't actually publicly commented yet on <coughs> him leaving Slipknot or the, the actual lawsuit uh, in general, in, in, in a broad sense. Uh, Corey Taylor put out a tweet when this all surfaced and he said you're going to read a lot of bullshit today this is all I'll say just you wait till the truth comes out long live the knot and there was a guy go- there's a guy who was one of the co-founders of Slipknot his name's Donnie Steele he played yeah. in the band from like 95 to 96 and then he joined them after Paul Gray died between 2011 and 2014 um, and Steele actually commented on Facebook you know it's an interesting insight it comes to my face. Don't blame him. Nobody likes to get lied to and ripped off. I know firsthand. And most, most of them can't write. In the three years I toured with them, I actually spent more time in writing session, in writing sessions and the studio than I did on the road. All done behind the other members' backs. That's how they roll. So, Jesus, uh, lot to digest there. <laughs> I mean, I th- you, you, what's me? this story when uh, Chris was actually, it was announced that Chris was suing the band and I was like, ugh, terrible timing. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, when, when bands are about to release an out al- or coming up on an album cycle, generally they need, the ball the ball to all be rolling and everyone to be uh, spearheaded in the right direction. But obviously this is a bit of a, uh, a spanner in the works here. Just on what we think follows from here. And I, I don't mean this to be rude to Chris um, oh god! But, but like I can't see the band suffering in a musical sense like I can't imagine album 6 comes out and me and you are just reviewing it and we're like oh man needed Chris Fenn this did did you know what I mean <laughs> I <laughs> don't mean more... that to be rude <laughs> needed more garbage can hitting <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like you've seen the memes I, I, I don't mean to be like rude and, and Chris is very talented and it, it adds to the aura of Slipknot but for me it's like like I said, just to reiterate, I can't imagine that we're reviewing the album and be like, man, you know, they could have really done with Chris's vision. You know, if Jay was leaving or Jim Root or Clown, I'd be like, Ooh, don't know about this or obviously Mick on guitar. Yeah. Obviously Corey goes without saying. But I'd be like, Oh, don't I about how this plays out then?
1: Yeah, I've, with, really, with I've really I've Chris... really lost the sense I've really lost the sense where I could just tell that a guy's masturbating could know his mask while all this is going on. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what are your thoughts, man? Anything anything particular? Coming
1: to mind? Um, well, while I while I laugh and joke, it's hard to measure the impact of someone like Chris because from a, a layman's point of view, just just lucky like he does a very minimalist job. That's but it. Yeah, like we don't know what I, he was in the I, studio though. I would I would have said the same thing about Paul Gray, and then they all came out and made and, and spoke about him like he was like a a huge part. Yeah, of like the he was the process. driving force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's something that I would not have been aware of. Um, now that might have been post-mortal hyperbole which is which you know is is quite popular in the music industry but again wasn't i wasn't in the studio so i can't really comment um i think how it works is that chris seemingly seems to feel rightly or wrongly because obviously we don't know anything that his role in the band has been misconstrued and underpaid and if you're a worldwide famous selling band And you don't feel like the money is being split nine ways equally. Then that is an issue. But at the same time, if your role is not one ninth of what Slipknot produced, then maybe your package should sort of respect that. Um, It's hard. It's hard for me to tell. Um, I don't like when original band members leave bands anyway. It makes me feel uncomfortable um because I, I feel that bands lose part of themselves bands lose part of their original identity and what made them great and popular in the first place but um they will surely replace chris in some manner or another i imagine i can't imagine that it'll be someone that they highlight it would be someone in the background adding bits and bobs here and there extra percussion extra vocals and i think the live performance will probably go un- large, largely unnoticed the only really way to measure the impact of this is not even this album now because I imagine it's ninety five percent done. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, probably the next one. And that, that's a really odd thing. Um, we'll see how it affects their um, their band relations moving forward. But suffice to say, being in Slipknot sounds a bit like a rough gig, doesn't it? Like, oh
0: mate, the toll it take, the toll the take on their bodies, all of them, is fucking absurd.
1: Like, man. like. Joey's out now. Chris is out. Paul Gray's obviously died. Um, it is. It is a. Not obviously. I'm not, I'm not linking being in Slipknot to Paul Gray's death. There's obviously lots of things going on. I'm just saying that now you started with nine and literally 33% of your band is no longer in that room anymore, and that that speaks to perhaps the, the sort of in, in intensity of of being in that group really sort of entails. Um, I hope things work out, but when you start suing the band, I don't think that's really. Um, that's not really where the reparations happen to be yeah, honest I, I, I can't see back a, from that. yeah I really can't see a way back um, it's hard to measure the impact I don't think it'll affect them in the immediate future but if we're talking about the seventh Slipknot album in three years and it's shit then we might be like oh fuck Chris Fenn was really important but until then it's really impossible to tell in a band like Slipknot because what do they actually tell you about anything really man that's an incredibly
0: incredibly good point to make you know because thank you a fr- from the outside looking in, you'd think that Sean Cryen does fuck all, but Clown is actually oh, he's sp- the he, band. He, he's the band. He's the driving force, supposedly behind all of the creative writing and stuff. So you know, Clown, just like Chris, stands, he, he stands on his um, on his stands up, smashing the fucking percussion out. And you yeah, think, right. oh man, he does a much, does he? But when it comes to the writing, he's 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 the boy. Yeah. So yeah. who knows, man? How much of a Part Chris plays because, as you mentioned, Slipknot are a very secretive band, and I like that it really adds to the aura. Like, I know, agree. like most of them didn't unmask until like Volume Three, which, which again, was just awesome. And I think it's it's at the point now where Slipknot would have to really pull out a stinker in a few months for people to question what what, what the, where the band go from here. I can't see this leading to especially within the next few months, I can't see this leading to people thinking that everything's gonna start falling apart from within. What will be interesting, True. what will be interesting is if we have any more departures in the next few months.
1: yeah, like this is like a domino effect sort of thing. yeah, because
0: I don't I don't I, I've got no idea of this, but if we're talking about pay scales when there's nine of you, I'd imagine. Corey's earning the most. Again, absolutely no biases, but well, imagine Cory imagine Corey's earning the most, then it's Clown, and then if there's like two or three members that are like, Man, I can't believe how much more so and so earns earns than me, Chris had the balls to leave. Fuck it. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like mm. if they, if this turns to a domino effect, then it's like, Oh, it really gets uh, really gets interesting, but for the time being, I'm sad that he's left, because I thought he was a good presence. And i will I will agree with you one hundred percent that we don't feel this in it right now, the aftermath of this, and we we find out how just how important Chris was is if and when album seven exists
1: and and how how much a tool will take the toll on if they have to introduce a new member at this late stage. yeah, um can be just a tipping point in terms of the personalities unless they bring in someone that they've known for a long time. so we'll see we' will we'll see um, i am i'm not con not concerned at this point. But I'm intrigued. Did want to mention the
0: uh, awfully sad news of K- of Keith Flint passing? Um, yeah, he man. Was, he was the uh, frontman vocalist for the Prodigy. Now the Prodigy weren't a band that I am massively familiar with, but I I remember it's weird more than the video for Firestarter or Breathe. The main thing I remember about uh, the Prodigy and Keith Flint was. I think it was Download's tenth anniversary, or, or or maybe it was Download's ninth year, and The Prodigy yeah,
1: were, were
0: were announced as one of the headliners. And there was a clip of Keith Flint going to walk onto the stage from another year that they had played Download. And Keith turns to the camera, and he says, "You see this crowd out here? These are the real fucking fans. You can't. There's no fucking fakers out there. You you can't make it on this stage if you're a fucking faker." And it was. It was so, like, like... That was, like, what, five, six, seven years ago? And yet that's the thing I remember most about the band. Like, his steely blue look into the camera mm. and just be like, you can't fucking make it in this on this stage if you're not a faker. And I think that just added to, like, what it means to play download. And ever since that point, I've always thought, man, if you headline download, obviously you're a special band because you're getting the headline slots at a major festival, but... I mean, you're a really, really special band if Download decides to give you the ball to run with it.
1: Yeah, I agree there. Um, I completely agree.
0: Oh, what, you know, since then, da- Download, Reading and Leeds, etc. have released clips of, oh, you know, we'll miss you, Keith, here's a video of the Prodigy when they headlined or sub-supported or played to played a huge, awesome set at so-and-so festival. And he was um, he was a special special frontman. Yeah,
1: he he really was. He really was um sort of the vocalist of a of of, of a really random generation of music really was yeah. sort of that, that mid nineties um sort of house metal combination of stuff that really sort of blew blew everybody else away for a little bit um talk
0: about crossover
1: bands yeah huge <laughs> like, like i off the <clears throat> top of
0: my head, I can't think of a band that spread across so many genres as the prodigy uh, and and managed to tick boxes in all of them
1: yeah i completely off the top of, of my head i'd
0: be struggling i really would
1: yeah no no doubt about it and his personality was one of the, the major driving forces of that uh he he became iconic because of, you know the hair and the look and, and and the sort of the 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 combination of that sort of festival dance trance sort of um genre with some of the metal stuff really and and gone too soon will be missed
0: absolutely man how many bands could you think of that could headline Creamfields and Download and both make sense? <laughs>
1: um, That's what honestly, I mean. Yeah. I, 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 honestly, like maybe like bring me in five years. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, That's he'll, system, he'll, be missed,
0: man. he'll be missed. He'll uh, be missed. Absolutely uh, awesome musician that um absolutely gone too soon. Quickly going to run over these two next news pieces. Um, Metallica have been jamming new ideas. Don't want to go too far into this because this could literally mean that Rob and Kirk are fucking about on the guitar in the back and someone's overheard it. Uh, but it's, <laughs> good. It, it, it's cool to know that a band that have been doing it for as long as Metallica has still, still got the fire to think, oh, maybe we should try this and let, let's jam for a bit and see what we can come up with. It's awesome, man, because let's
1: be honest, <laughs> they don't need to. No, absolutely not. Apparently, they record everything like every every practice, every jam that's just awesome. con- just constantly recorded in a studio, and then every so often Lars will just sit in the studio for days on end, pouring out the material and like'll like pick out like fifteen seconds of a riff and then stick it to something else, and that's how they get all these. All these these really sort of intricate songs.
0: You gotta love that man because that's just like being in love with in love with your craft, isn't he? And being in 100%. love with your craft for forty years is difficult. Do you think we'll be still doing podcasts in forty years?
1: <laughs> I know if no, we'll Guarantees. We'll I don't know if we'll be friends in forty years. Yeah, I the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, man, it is. Um, it is astonishing. It is astonishing. I mean, like like you said, they don't need to. If uh, did you see uh, last week? Just out of uh, side note the um, house that Lars Ulrich had put up for sale, or the being put up for sale that Lars Ulrich had. Absurd. He could just chill in that for the next 20 years, count his money, and just, I don't know, just, like, do whatever the fuck he wanted, like, stare at the beach for 20 years. But, like, I respect it. I respect it massively.
0: Rob Hattleford has confirmed there'll be a new Judas Priest album. Did you hear the last one?
1: (laughs) <laughs> um, i heard a song of it
0: supposedly i haven't listened to it because judas priest aren't for me but supposedly it was like one of the best metal albums like in in years like, i mean quote unquote like classic metal and it was people it caught people really off guard they're like holy shit this is awesome how the fuck have they managed to still be doing this so yeah new judas priest album uh it'll come out we'll review it i can't imagine i'll be into it it's a bit too cl- they're a bit too classic for me I, I, I don't get anything from them. Obviously, I love breaking the law, man. It's a bad boy tune, but outside of that, man, <laughs> I, outside of that, man, I struggle a bit.
1: Um I respect them greatly um, for their role in the genre. Yeah, uh, that's uh, undoubtable, Yeah, um, I mean, like they're they're like really instrumental in sort of doing like guitar harmonies and things like that. Um, I've never really fell in love with his voice, uh, Rob Halford's voice. It's never really done it, uh, the 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 really high stuff doesn't do bits to me like it does the metal genre. But that being said. Another band that I'm glad are still writing and still working.
0: So Sam, tell us about the feature that you are going to be starting on every uh, noise podcast from here going out.
1: Okay. Um, so I started listening to um, a collection of like old metal albums last few weeks and I've started reading upon um, a few articles. Rolling Stone in particular put out top 100 metal albums ever and that like that's been floating around in my sort of bookmarks for like a, 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 good, a good sort of six to twelve months really now i I decided to properly read it and go through it and i've I then started to read around the subject I started looking at other top 100s and i feel um and the way you sit with this I feel that a lot of top 100 especially in metal actually almost predominantly in metal is where a bloke in um, a room just sits and thinks okay what's every black sabbath album every Judas priest album every metallica album and 100% ev- agree every iron maiden album uh, and then um every uh, megadeth album and then just like jumbles them all together throws in appetite for destruction and, and and like slayer and stuff and then tumbles it all out and then what over whatever order it comes out after like the top 6 that's your top 100 and i think really not a lot not enough respect in metal is given to anything that's happened in the last 15 years not enough respect is given to anything that's happened in the last 20 years unless your name starts with black and ends in abath um <laughs> and i really think that a more structured list is needed a more structured look at the the top 100 is needed and i think we need to start taking into account the top 100 metal albums in 2019 would not entirely feature bands of like sort of pre-1997 or like the pre-grunge era. I I think really now we've moved beyond that. And I think we have to start taking into account other stuff. And basically I decided that I was the person that should be doing that, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) rightly or wrongly. And so I've I've started to put together my own top 100 um, greatest metal albums ever. And I've also began to categorize them, which I think is the key differential here.
0: So just... You mentioned this to me slightly, so just go into depth on what what exactly we mean here by categorise. Okay, so
1: um, I've broken the top one hundred into seven categories to in order to justify them. So my thought process going in is that uh, when you judge an album to whether how great it is in metal, it you should take into account number one, obviously the song quality. Uh, number two, um, its legacy in the genre, its legacy outside of the genre. It's longevity and how much it has influenced other people um in the genre moving forward. I think those are like the five. So for example, like a band could make a top ten album in nineteen ninety five, but it wouldn't necessarily be a top one hundred top twenty great metal album unless it also influenced other bands in nineteen ninety six to nineteen ninety eight and was considered really, really great by people in two thousand and five, for example. Do you know what I mean? she's got to have longevity and got to have long standing um so i've put what i think what i consider to be those in those categories in order of importance so i didn't want to discount really great metal albums that have come out in the last four four or five years simply because they haven't had the longevity as some of the other albums because i for one personally think um holy hell is better than anything judas priest have ever put out personally good that's what that's what I personally believe. But I don't know in 25 years if someone's going to be looking, looking to me and saying, you know what? If architects hadn't released that album, we wouldn't have blank. I don't know that yet. Right. So as of right now, I have to put Judas Priest first because I know that people 30 years later are going, if Judas Priest hadn't written that album, we wouldn't have that band. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. a, com- it's a combination of those two things. So I have broke them up into seven categories um i'll start at the bottom and work the way up because i think that makes the most sense so from album this is so nerdy um in in from album number 100 to number 89 which is like the bottom 12 albums um of the category G, is in 10 years we'll still be talking about this album we think so it's albums that have come out in the last few years that i think in 10 years we will still be like that album was incredible that album was really influential at the time That's a brilliant metal album that will stand up for the next 10 years. Right. Okay. The category above that from 89 to 71 is modern greats, but it's too soon to measure legacy. So, for example, albums that are out for 10 to 15 years that we don't necessarily know if that can last 25 to 30 yet because we haven't had 25 to 30. But right now, they're iconic of that genre, at least 10 years to 15 years old and have a legacy building already right right after that we've got underground gems so not necessarily albums that are like mainstream metal but like without these you wouldn't have had the birth into extreme metal or other of the outside genres that have actually come outside of metal and 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 gone further and um really influenced the outer reaches of metal because i didn't want to just dismiss grindcore because the greatest gronko album of all time should be in the top 100 metal albums of all time because it fucking revolutionised a whole genre of metal, right? So I've picked um, the 10 to 12 um, best underground gems and then put those in that like lower middle section because they've invented genres but not transferred over to the main metal fan. Whereas you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily be like, you wouldn't grab an average metal fan and be like, oh, what, have you heard this new Napalm Death album? But they'd probably understand that they had a real role in metal at a period of time. Same with Death or At the Gates or King Diamond, whatever. Right? Then, the next category, category D, is titled "If it wasn't for blank metal, wouldn't be blank." This goes from fifty-seven. <laughs> yeah. So if it wasn't for fifty, so this is from I know. This is album fifty-seven to thirty-four. This is bands bands that have released albums that aren't necessarily great, amazing top 25 metal albums, but if it wasn't for these albums, metal wouldn't be where it was. Incredibly influential in the genre, right? Some of us holding up the fountain blocks of our top 20. If it wasn't for some of these albums, we wouldn't actually have a top 20 metal albums because some of these, right? Category C is um, generation-defining albums. Not necessarily albums that you look back and think, oh my God, that was the best album of the last 30 years. But at the time they were incredibly iconic for that 10 year period and, uh, defined a generation. So the nineties would be like Rage right against the machine. It's not like a 25 to 30 year, absolutely incredible album, but it defines a 10 year period. Okay. And then, then I've got anytime, all time greats, And this goes from 19 to five. This is the top 20 to up to the top four. Um, all time, excellent metal albums, any time, any genre, any metal fan you'll play, this will be like, yeah, might not be my favourite album, but I understand why it's great. I understand why it's so fantastic. I understand the appeal, understand the intricacy, the song qualities there, the legacy's there, the influence in the genre's there, and the recognizability outside of the genre's there, right? And then top four, which I've named the Mount Rushmore, which is the top four greatest metal albums of all time.
0: Dude, I absolutely love how far you've gone in on this, but the way that you've brought that day makes me think that bands like Let Live aren't going to be in the top 80. And <laughs> it just... The, the idea that there's 80 better metal albums than fucking The Black is Beautiful by Let Live literally makes me want to climb into my laptop
1: and beat the shit out of here. Because I'm just not having it. Uh, That's fine, but in 10 years, 10 years by virtue of time and legacy, it might be. it might be in the top Maybe. Six I mean
0: I'm I'm just I'm really but quite we, terrified
1: for what this list we, is going to hold and how it's going to make us fall out. We can't we can't say that right now. Do you know what I mean? Can you can you 100% say that you know that a band, that an album released in the last 5 years will go down as one of the greatest metal albums ever in 25 well, years? You don't. Well no, but I I think I think the concept of the, these
0: lists of the greatest albums man it, it's it's difficult because metal more than any other genre that I know as we've mentioned a couple of episodes ago it's so fucking nostalgic it, it, yeah. it's really it's really annoying sometimes like and I said this to you in passing I know that the the, the, the debut Black Sabbath album will most likely be in your top 10 or, or at least be in the top 15 and I understand because that was the starting point if that if it wasn't for that album by Black Sabbath then we with me and you are not sitting at this our uh, laptops doing this I get that but for me it's like if you offered me to listen to black sabbath's day of your album or self supremacy by malevolence i wouldn't even consider the idea of putting black sabbath on because i just think malevolence is a much more enjoyable interesting listen in 2019 so that's that's why it's so but that's why it's so difficult to do these things because S- saying that you'd be like how- no you can't possibly put that above Black Sabbath how could you and they'll be like well Black Sabbath don't do anything for me like I understand that they were the first band that started everything but for me they don't do anything for me well I um, understand that
1: I understand that entirely and that's why we. that's why I've tried to spread out the categories to not just musical quality
0: so so we don't keep on this for too long and obviously we're not going to go in depth on every album because we'd literally be here for three hours but uh, start me with the uh, album 100 the 100th greatest metal album of all
1: time in your opinion you're gonna fight me already? Fuck um, yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> fight star behind the devil's back. I wasn't expecting that. Jesus. Okay. Um, quick rationale. It's fucking sensational. Number one. Um, it's 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 one of the most um, intricate, incredibly qualitative, um, really well written metal albums the last four or five years. Um, it has uh, additional um future kudos because it actually transferred the legacy away from um charlie as the lead singer and all the sort of hate that attached for that they're now a respected band almost entirely because of this sort of album and i, I genuinely think that it is just a piece of mastery that we will look back in 10 years and think that was one of the best albums of that five-year period and i think that matters a lot considering album 99 north lane singularity
0: Oh man, I've told you this before. Like I've never got it with Northline. They're a band that they're a band that really I should I should love because they do everything that I would love in a band. But man, I just I ne- I've never got onto it, man.
1: Uh, what are you Fair thinking behind this? Um, again, I think that if you look at the period that Northline wrote that album, it set a lot of the blueprint for a lot of the sort of post-hardcore metalcore stuff that was going on, as well as some of the electronic stuff that happened later as well. Northline set a really intelligent bro- blueprint, and the album itself as a whole um as a whole is just incredibly well thought out, including the Tartac Singularity, which I think is one of the most ethereal beautiful songs ever written.
0: Is that the one that had Quantum Flux on?
1: Yes. Banger. Uh
0: 90...
1: had... eight? Periphery three Select difficulty.
0: Oh mate, what a fucking album this is. How is this ninety eight? Because uh, now, I... mate,
1: this album's unreal. It is it is it is a fantastic album. It is a fantastic album but um it, it did not have mainstream uh, the only reason it's down here is because number one it did not have mainstream metal uh, metal appeal in the sense that people weren't clamoring over it in the first few years in the same way they've been clamoring over other metal bands no one's punching you and saying you need to listen to this album apart from like me or you um but at the same at the same time it's just here based on purely song quality and again it's one of those albums that if i look back in 10 years at one of the albums that i think of
0: yeah I it mean, I, I do agree with that, but uh, just a caveat from that point. I don't think Periphery are ever going to be that band that people are like. Oh my god, you're the new Periphery album because they're they they're there for quite a niche audience. Uh, I agree. And you have so, to really be listening to 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 get Periphery.
1: Agree, agree. So they're here on purely songwriting alone. There are there are not ninety. There are not many better written albums than this. So it is here based purely on that. Yet somehow you found ninety seven of them. <laughs> yes because it cause of, no I know, I know
0: I'm just fucking about with you man <laughs> um, 97 you. while she sleeps you are we now we are getting annoyed fuck me what a banger an album fuck unbelievable to be honest man, I don't even, never even say anything about this album it's just fucking unbelievable and
1: do you oh. want to hear 96? 96 96 yep. Yeah. Architects Holy Hell
0: <laughs> oh mate 95 better albums than Holy Hell
1: yeah, because it's it's fucking eighteen months old. Oh man, okay.
0: Oh, that's a bitter pill for me to swallow.
1: <laughs> you have to you have to accept at this point. In ten years, it'll be like top eighty five, but not right now. Even it'd, then be, top it'd, be, 85? it'd be like it, No, yeah, it, potentially uh, it'd be like turning around and saying Mbappe is already the third greatest player of all time because it's really good right now. What if he breaks his leg tomorrow? Yeah, but that's no, but that, that's uh, I'm not sure about that analogy because music is, is
0: imprinted forever because it's it's done. <laughs> they released the album. True. I'm not going to go things, back. But, oh things, fuck,
1: we didn't do but, this. But, but things, but things, but audiences change their opinions, and audiences change the way that we look back upon them. And it might not seem ridiculous right now, but no, what? But in 2003, people were probably going to tell you that we were going to look back and think fucking Meteora was the ten, one of the ten greatest albums of all time, but it's not.
0: Okay, fair fox man. Um, Right, it's hard to tell. I think this is going to be like a really interesting thing going forward. And I'm very, very interested to see how this plays out. Uh, More so in how you rank the modern stuff for me. Because as I have said time and time again, I'm not a metal historian. And a lot of the metal albums that came out between 1980 and, I want to say, 1990, for me, I understand the importance, the relevance, but I got into metal. By different means than that. I got into the absolute like the brutal crushing stuff which that is not. And some yes. of it I'm still absolutely in love with, such as Metallica, Slayer, uh, Machine Head, although that didn't come out in the eighties. But still, you see what I mean? Yes. A lot of the classic metal goes over my head. So it's the modern stuff that I'm most interested in. But uh, I'm really um looking forward to seeing how this plays out. And fair fucking play to you man for, for having it, with the job <laughs> that you with the job that you do, having the time and the uh The
1: passion to put this together i'm I'm very proud of you and i'm I'm excited to see what this brings thank you i'm still working on it there's there's still two sections that i need to like order but that's uh, um uh, 33 to like 70 i need to work on but i've got the top 20 and the bottom 30 sorted
0: well we're going to do this every two weeks so you've got plenty of time to uh to structure the next five no worries music streaming sam yes so, this is interesting, man. Like I wanted to, to to really, like, just see what your thoughts are on this. This came to me as bringing this up as a topic because Whilst She Sleeps put a picture up of an advertisement campaign that they've got running. I think it was in London that it was taken in a tube station. And it read, um, people don't buy music anymore, but that's alright because we only need 4 million streams. On our new album to be able to pay our rent and to pay for this advertising campaign, a new al- This is a, um, an advertisement for our new album. So what? I'm paraphrasing there, but that is pretty much what it said. So, and I, and I saw this, and, and my first thought was, man, I feel a bit guilty because I haven't, I haven't bought. So what? I haven't paid for it, and I, I'm not I'm happy to have people admit that. Like on air, I haven't paid money for. So what? Uh, I did pay uh, when you came out. I paid like fifty pounds for a limited edition windbreaker. Uh, while she sleeps deep and I always try to buy merch for the bands that I like
1: can confirm he wears this regularly as well (laughs)
0: yeah Uh, I've fucking got 50 quids worth out of that (laughs) windbreak yes you fucking have it's awesome Um, now you think you think to yourself if a listener listens to this you think Chris you literally spoke a couple of weeks ago about how like uh, you know metal you know we need to get behind the new bands and you know if we don't it's going to die all that kind of thing that verbiage uh, which is true, yes. But for me, it's like I've got this expensive laptop which doesn't come with a CD drive. There's no
1: CD drive on my laptop. Um, I, I find that really weird. I know you made it You made it from scratch, so you actually had a choice. Why did you elect not to? Uh, because the CD drive being built
0: in was an extra 50 quid. Okay, fair enough. Continue. So my my laptop doesn't come with a CD drive. Oh, my, cool. PA, my PS4 cannot play CDs. It doesn't play CDs. PS4 only plays Blu-ray discs. So if you put a CD into it, it's not going to be able to read it. And I've got a Spotify subscription. So, like, literally, if I went out and I bought So What on on disc, there would literally be a waste of £10 for me. Like, legitimately. There there is nothing... It would sit on your shelf. There's not a single thing I could do with that disc. It would exist for no reason. The only... The reason why the way things are for me in this day and age that I would purchase like physical music is if I had a vinyl player because there's a bit more, there's a lot more intimacy with the vinyl, isn't there? And you can hear things a lot differently. And vinyl has made somewhat of a comeback. Well, not somewhat, vinyl has made a comeback. Uh, You see a lot more of it at HMB and that kind of thing. And they have like music record day now where people go in and buy loads of different vinyls, etc. I think I've seen you have have a fair few vinyls as well.
1: That's correct, yeah, I do like the final.
0: So, for me, what I tend to do, instead of purchasing physical music, if I really like a band, I will go and see them, and I will probably buy merch. And I think that is kind of how bands survive, for the most part, in this day and age. Like, having good merch is like, literally a necessity in this, in this day and age now for music, because if people aren't going to buy your music, you need to have a sick T-shirt design that people will wear just because it's a sick T-shirt. Like, it, it bothers me daily how shit Periphery's merch is. I, I ab- I <laughs> daily? Abs- daily, literally daily. He wakes abs- grinding his teeth. What's the matter, Chris? <laughs> Raining, bad day at work. Proof nah, Periphery's merch shit. <laughs> 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 literally, it bothers me daily, because I I... I adore that band. They're fucking awesome. I uh, went to see them in Manchester and I enjoyed paying money for that ticket. I want to give them £20 of my money for a t-shirt, but they refuse to do a design that is minorly acceptable. <laughs> I, I would I, I would pay 20 quid just for them to do a half-decent t-shirt I could just wear to the gym, but they're... they're, they're T-shirts aren't even gym worthy. Who is
1: designing these? Seriously,
0: man, we've really really touched a nerve here.
1: (laughs) You would would actually pay twenty quid just for a P in the top right corner of a (laughs) T-shirt, wouldn't you? That's
0: it, Mister Periphery. Just (laughs) fucking do a black T-shirt with a gold P in (laughs) the top right, in the top, in the top left corner. (laughs) I'll fucking buy it. Just fucking do it. The merch sucks and it bothers me. The music is amazing, but the merch is fucking
1: abysmal. (laughs) I'm <laughs> fucking creasing here, like there's like a like a one man system, like in a coat or something. They're all like all together. It's called yeah. Mister Mister Periphery, and he makes all the T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's astonishing. Good. I feeling. ran I ran a
0: poll on the no- on the noise Twitter, and I was like, how often do you buy music? Do you buy music regularly? every now and then or you specifically just stick to a streaming site and we had about uh, mid-30s responses and uh, streaming sites of course won but actually um, regular music buyers wasn't actually that far behind now we've only had like 30 odd votes so obviously you can't you can't contextualize that to a whole industry Mm. but I suppose it does still show that people that, that, that people are still out there buying music in a sense and I want to run something past you that I saw someone say. They said it's a it's a really conflicting message when you're saying buy our buy our new album for nine ninety nine or stream it on Spotify for completely free. Uh-huh.
1: What do you think of that? Well, yeah, I I understand this. It's, it's like got... buy our stuff, but also you have got to buy our stuff if you don't want. Do you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I completely understand that it's a it's a conflicting message, and. What I think I think bands should do moving forward, I think I think it's a strange one because obviously ninety nine point nine percent of fans are going to just click the free option, obviously. Um, but I think CDs offer the opportunity to have like a, a physical product in your hand, which which does exist and it's a real thing, and does offer some um, legitimacy and does offer some sort of comfort and reassurance. I for one um, own several hundred CDs. My my father owns. A, a copious amount more than that, and will continue to buy them because he likes he likes holding something in his hand and I think the way forward for bands are so obviously you make money from the streams anyway but a very minimal amount is worth pointing but a very very minimal amount is worth pointing out but the 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 cds and the dv the cd releases need to be special they need they need to have something that i'm gonna willing to buy now I buy cd a cd maybe once or twice a year now i used to buy them just all the time incessantly and now i'll buy once or twice i'll buy like a special re i'll be like a reissue of like an album that i love and it'll have like special dvd features or a gig or do you know what i mean or it's like the metallica remastered or whatever whatever it might be and there needs to be something that's like well, it's not just what you're getting on spotify you need to get you get something else with it and i think that's the only way that bands are successfully selling cds at all um but i do think i do think it's a conflicting message but if you don't if you don't put your music out for free no one will listen to it that's the thing man like what what the fuck else are you gonna do be like prince and and have like an army of pa people taking your music off youtube it's just you can't survive that way
0: literally unless you're prince or you're a huge huge star like elton john or something like that your, your music needs to be out there now I, there are, there's a band called Conju which I spoke at a few times and they a fucking wicked metal band um they actually chimed in I haven't actually got the the Twitter thread still up, but which is a bit, bit dismal because I'd love to have described everything that I said, but one of their members was saying uh Spotify and streaming sites are getting a, a lot of stick for the minimal amount that they pay artists and here's our two pennies on it. they were like, we get countless people come up to us." at shows and be like oh man um heard you on some like related artist thing on spotify and i thought oh these are sick and then i saw that you were playing this local show that was 10 minutes away from me so came here and bought a t-shirt man you're really good Cr- crack on and for a band like conjurer that's like that's really important because
1: yeah you know,
0: every bit of money really matters to them now,
1: and, and, and we've both done it we've both clicked on that related artist thing
0: and yeah just had a of... I, I do it i do it daily I do it. I'm always finding new bands. Me and you, when we're pre-drinking, and we like, we're always chucking something new onto each other. Yeah, too, man. Because that—that's—that's that's what I like doing, man. I like, I like getting into areas that I've never been, and finding these sick new bands, and like falling in love with new music all over again. It's the best thing in the world. Agreed. The, so for Conjurer, that's great because they're getting the, the new people that are coming up and, and paying five quid to get into the show, and then they're paying fifteen quid for the merchant. Or I think all of Condra still actually have jobs. The problem is, for while she sleeps. While she sleeps, the band is their life. That is yeah. the main. That is the main source of income. So, spot the odd person finding while she sleeps on Spotify doesn't work for them because that that is their job. And I'm curious as to where music goes from here. In terms, yeah. of, I don't mean it's going to go out of business, but what I mean is the, the future of bands. And I hear new bands say a lot more than I used to hear them say, "You can't get into this for the money Then because no one makes money doing this anymore, which is interesting and, and Sam from Ithaca said that to me when I was interviewing, he was like, "We don't do this for the money, we don't make any money doing this, so you'd be fucking crazy like we do this because we love doing it, and that's really that's really fucking cool, but I hope that it doesn't get to the point where like I mean there's probably like something now we could think how many sick bands could have been something." if it wasn't for the fact that they don't make money doing this, and they had to stop because they, they they couldn't afford to live doing this. Loyalty's Murder nearly did that. The, yeah. the, the, CJ literally left Loyalty's Murder for one of several reasons, but he left for one of the reasons being, I don't make fucking money doing this. I'm trying to get married. I can't afford this. And it it boggles my mind the amount of bands that we could have lost over the concept of, we don't make money doing this. Um, Without saying a bit too corny, look at you, man. You're a fucking sick drummer. Like oh, I said thank to you. you. I, how many times have I said to you, mate? It upsets you that you've never been in the metal band, and you turn around to me like, "Dude, it's not worth it." Like, it, like for the effort that you'd go to to uh, put a show on and post a bit on social media for fucking a month, and then six people. Yeah. It's like, it, it it's not worth it. I, and I completely, it, understand, it completely understand. Completely understand. Yeah, I, I
1: completely, completely, completely with you. Yeah, but, and and that, that's part of your answer. Sorry to interrupt, I will let you carry on. No, no, part of, yeah, part, 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 part of the reason why we've had two or three Walsh or Sleeps albums in the space of three years and they're constantly on tour.
0: Yep, really good point. Um, one of the uh, executives from HMV said this in an interview a few years ago. He was like, why do you think your favorite bands are always touring? That's the only way they make money anymore. Touring, merch,
1: that's it. That's yeah, that is it. Money. Is it? They've just got to work themselves to the bones. We don't. It's not the 80s anymore, where you could just bring out a massive. Well, rock bands would bring out a massive album in 1994, and then have the record labels like sucking their dick for the next three years. It just doesn't work. No, the people aren't queuing. Man, you, you 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 worked at Game. I've queued up for games. When was the last time you have ever queued up for an album in I your life? Ever. I haven't ever. Do you know what I mean? And that dude, and, and and let me tell you, man. Like I'm not older than you. I've just seen documentaries. That was the shit. In, it like, was in the nineties and the two thousands. Like if Metallica bring it out an album, you saw like, was documentaries. Metallica bring out the Black Album, and then the queue, been... the queue is literally a mile long. Yeah, yeah, and they're like fucking so excited to get it. It's like when the new FIFA comes out, and they're all running out because that's because you can't just fucking stream the new FIFA on your on your PlayStation. Uh, and and it, it's 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 just. Because of the internet, more bands than ever have exposure. But because of the internet, no one's getting paid.
0: Gives you one hand and tie away with the other, yeah. Which is, I think that's not just the internet for music. That's just the internet. Uh, That's just
1: technology. Me and you, we we are doing this um, because we enjoy chatting shit about metal. And we felt that somebody should be listening to us while we do so. Um, But nobody bought this microphone for me. Nobody bought that microphone for you. Uh, No. Yeah. Uh, no, no one's no one's paying me for the time that I'm giving. Yeah. Neither no, neither are you. We're doing this simply because we thought that our previously drunken conversations Planet should be sober and shouted at people, and and that's the only that's the only difference. The only reason that we're doing this is not putting anything in my pocket.
0: In terms of what I think going forward, I think that obviously music survives, but going d- deeper in the music that that we're into I think that survives as well but I think that it becomes increasingly more difficult for bands to make a living doing this and as I mentioned as I mentioned before I think if you're a band that's starting to gain some traction if you ain't got a sick merch line then you're going to really struggle
1: and I think I think this is why we get loads of bands that uh, we will continue to see this more so to be honest the flame out that yeah. just that last two or three albums and fall out with each other and break up they met, they, you know that running joke like in metal bands oh it's your new favourite band that broke up two years ago yeah yeah every fucking time me and you listen to a new sick deathcore band that you've discovered on a related artist I'm like these are broken up haven't they you're like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, when I
0: showed you as blood runs black you were like please some of these haven't broke up I was like yeah man you went fuck you man this is shit <laughs> Um. <laughs> for real man it's like and when i say that people aren't buying records anymore and that's a problem it's worth pointing out that it's not a problem because you're not buying a record and the band aren't getting the money the band never got the money (laughs) the record label got the money and the band got a small percentage but because of the amount that record labels were getting they were subsidizing a lot of the recording costs because they knew it'd be worth the time yep um not subsidizing not subsidizing the recording costs immediately, but obviously once everything's together and it 's pulled together and you sold i uh, say a hundred thousand albums wicked man here's a massive here, here's a here's an extra cut, and here's what you could pay for the music for for the recording of it because uh, we 've just made fucking three million dollars and that's wicked and go enjoy your life and come back in two years We'll make another three million dollars that'd be great Cheers bye and that but yeah. it's come not like that anymore because record labels haven 't got that haven't haven't got that uh, hold to give the bands. And that's good and bad in a way. And for While She Sleeps, it's cool to know that um, 99% or 90% of the money that While She Sleeps get goes to While She Sleeps because they are their own band now and they're not owned by any kind of label. So going forward, I think it's just a case of bands doing this absolutely not for the money and working in jobs that can support them until... They are able to subsidise their own life while they go through uh, touring. I think more than anything else, I'll say it again: you need a sick first album that gets people coming up to the pubs and clubs in tens and twenties and thirties, and you need a decent merch line. And after that, you've got a you've got a chance. And just closing thoughts on that for you?
1: Um, no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, really. But it really once again, really speaks to the idea that live performance is so fucking important and going to see gigs is so important. Like, if you like a band that's, like, semi-famous or, like, breaking through or in their first or second album, go and see them, man. Yeah, or buy a T-shirt. buy like a t- Just do do something because we're not... It's not like, it's like, like you were saying. It's not like back in the day when, like, buying a Guns N' Roses T-shirt was, like, buying a pair of Nike trainers. You know, you're not supporting a conglomerate. You're supporting like four dudes that make music that you're really into, and and I think that 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 matters now. It, it's if anything, like weirdly, the internet has rehumanized music, like in a weird ironic turn. Like I now feel closer to bands that are breaking through because I feel like you were talking about before when you bought the While She Sleep stuff and we contributed towards their studio oh and make, yeah man yeah i know it could be because of the internet it's almost de dehu- it's like rehumanized the bands for us which i think is actually quite nice um and i do i do feel that a great connection especially doing this job where we're actually able to get access to material and and talk to people do you think that would be happening if the fucking music industry was booming like it was 10 or 15 years ago Absolutely would not. it fuck we'd be waiting around like every other peasant <laughs> and, and like like making reviews off those little snippets you hear on like random little websites and stuff but i think you've just gotta you've just gotta try and support the bands that you are because otherwise music the music industry is going to take them away i think in the future though good bands will always break through and good bands there will be a band somewhere along the line in a few years that figure it out like the yeah. arctic monkeys did with myspace and the itunes yeah. thing being unsigned yeah. There is always a band that figures it out. There is always someone that figures it out. How to make money off music. And that and the person, that, whoever figures out how to make fucking money out of newspapers and journalism. Like, th- those dudes are out there somewhere. I'm confident in it. Because people like music and people like writing and reading and information and hearing opinions. And that, that shit matters. So, uh, at some point, that's going to change. But right now... You've got to just we just roll with it, haven't we? Moving forward and hope that the the good bands stay good and stay out of poverty.
0: So I went to see Blood Youth, Palm Raider, and Low to see last week. Now I've got to really shoot through this review because I'm I'm very conscious of uh, of time. Considering we've got another two albums to review. I've been
1: an already.
0: <laughs> and and I've got an interview to put into this episode as well. So I'm very very conscious of the time. Low to see, I'm not going to review because we're reviewing their album. I'm going to... Uh, bunch that together, uh, Palm Reader, are a band that, uh, very much, sum up what we were just talking about, they're a band that I feel like, they're literally just about getting by, uh, because they've been a band for a few years, and they've always been underground, hardcore, really talented, uh, the latest album, Braille, some, some parts of the internet were fucking exploding for it, I just thought it was good, and I enjoyed the listen, I think I only gave it a 7 out of 10, when I reviewed it for, I think it was Mosh Magazine, um, but live, uh, you can tell how talented they are. Uh, the vocalist very intimate, very honest with the crowd. Like, he's like, oh, man, we're making a bit of money tonight. This is cool. Uh, it was quite funny. Um, came, the new new stuff came across quite well. And there was a fair section of the audience that were actually, like, really into it, which I thought was cool for them. And they're a band that if they were playing again on the show that I was going to, I'd make sure I was there in time to see them. Because a uh, very technical band. They blend hardcore and harmony together quite well and I think that a musical purist such as yourself would find a fair bit of enjoyment in them yeah I think, I, I think I'd think i agree uh, moving on to Blood Youth they're a band who reviewed a couple of weeks ago and I did the interview with Kaya uh, I was really big on the new album, thought it was brave as fuck the leap that they made um, a new metal album in 2019 is absolutely nothing I expected <laughs> was not expecting to re- review a new metal album with you on this podcast unless Limp Bizkit or Corn did one uh, outside of that, I was thinking that'll be New Metal Dead and Buried with the Nails in the Coffin. But they really starved, and I was into it, uh, very much so. And it came across really well live. I mean, they played at Mama Roos uh, in Birmingham, which is like a little bit bigger than your standard pub. And to think the Malevolence have played in there is fucking terrifying, I've got to say. But, uh, Packed House... Um, that that the played the, it came across really really well live. Like I think when they did when they played Nerve, Kaya was like in in the middle of the crowd, like crouched down singing it, and it was like this really like intense like harrowing atmosphere. And I remember Kaya saying to me on the interview that was on the last episode, he was like, "Man, when we recorded Nerve, Nerve was Nerve's difficult for me to listen to because I I came up with the lyrics when I was in a really really rough part of my life and I was writing them down in the dark and I was going mental." Jesus and, and that 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 all really came across to me when i was sta- when I was standing there watching him in, in the pub uh, cut me up and sounded massive and then you had the the bangers from uh, beyond repair like reason to stay and i th- I, I I left that gig thinking man that they're, they're really on to something here because they got me at a Mosh retirement which I enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> for, for for about ten seconds I enjoyed it, so I was in pain. My, literally my knees I don't know what's wrong with them man you're the uh, oldest 26 year old I've ever met <laughs> um, they created like the kind of atmosphere that like I really felt like I was a part of something fucking cool seeing them and I don't know man like because dude when was the last time name watched a new metal band <laughs> like serious like seriously I'm <laughs> beat like um, legit here. Like when was 2013?
1: I saw Limp Bizkit at
0: Download. That was six years ago, uh, yeah. and that's yeah. and that and that sums up everything that I'm about to say about new metal. It was really interesting to be part of something which I haven't been a part of for fucking years. Last new metal band I saw was Limp Bizkit at, uh, when they when they headlined the second stage at Leeds. Oh. and I'm seeing Blood Youth as a band that have really got something here. They're they're, they're a band that really interests me. They're a band that, re- that the crowd are really into. And this is it, man. The, the for, for, for me, like, they can go on. They'll keep touring around Europe. I think I saw today that Starver's received a million streams on Spotify, which is fucking awesome for a band like Blood Youth, which literally came out of nowhere. They were, they've been a band for, like, what, three and a half years? They're onto something, man. And seeing them live confirmed that. I'd like to go a bit more into detail, but, again, very wary of the time. So I'm just going to quickly move on past that. Uh, yeah, really good show. Really enjoyed it. Lotus Eater, Sam, a new album is called Social Hazard. Now, I saw these. They were the second band on uh, at Blood Youth. And I got a really <laughs> I got a really fun vibe from there from Glasgow. There were just fucking a few Scots on stage that could fucking riff and fucking drop some breakdowns on you. What are you thinking on this?
1: Uh, I think it's um, what being punched in the face sounds like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mate, there's a song in it called "Yuck."
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it. it's literally like da, 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 It's the most <laughs> fucking obnoxiously fucking brutalizing fucking metal I've ever heard in my life. Man, it's fucking wicked. Um, I think the best way I could describe this album is just fun. Yeah, it's really, it's really enjoyable. Fun. Listen.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think. Um, I think I really enjoyed it. Actually, I liked how it just comes in, kicks you in the face, and leaves.
0: Yeah, it doesn't hang about it at all. I think like two of the songs are, like one minute, and yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't think a song goes past like three and a half minutes.
1: And there are like seven songs on the album. or
0: something. <laughs> like, yeah, it's... yeah. One of them is it's... called "Words Dot Nothing," it's just, like <laughs> just thirty-one seconds of eh,
1: <laughs> and it just goes into jaw. That's the final we're, song. We we are allowed to see to we do not like lyrics. Um, it's just fucking. It, 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 it's it's intense. It's heavy. It's nasty. It's pummeling. Um, you could listen to it while you were at the gym, you listen to it while you were driving, provided that you, um, are driving really short distances and you don't care about other people's safety. And it is just a really decent throw-down album, man. It, it just is what it is. Now, they changed the world with this. No, no, no. And there's no way that's what they intended. No, but, um... Man, if you if you wanted to make a YouTube video where you threw a chair out of a window or something like that, then this would be the back this would be the background. It, it, it's just it is just hap- it, It's just wonderfully violent. I get like a slightly lighter Malevolence
0: vibe from this because, and the reason why I say slightly lighter is because they haven't got the, Malevolence got this really like genius way of mixing like punchy and punky lyrics in with the fucking, yeah. in, in with the beat down. Yeah.
1: And Malevul- like it, mavel- mavel- yeah. Malevolence are heavier than the sun as well. That is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm really into this.
0: This are a band that like I, I really enjoyed the listen. I really like the rhythm section in this band.
1: Yeah. The, 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 yeah, the
0: drummer and the rhythm guitarist link together so fucking well. Like I think on the, on the fear, there's this like really like pummeling back sound that really like lifts up the vocalist, um, the vocalist lyrics man.
1: I can I can also I can also understand completely why Blood Youth took them on, um, for their show because if Blood Youth took a different direction, their album would have sounded like this. Yeah, I get that. Um, so they're sort of like the sort of like the angrier version of that, and I also liked how at the end of the album um is it called the fear where they actually delve slightly into a semblance of a chorus like slightly yeah they,
0: dab, they dabble a little bit and, they, and they, they, did did that a little, they did that a little bit on mother as well
1: yeah and i'm like okay there's a bit of progression there that i'm interested in hearing so i enjoyed this um um I'd, I'd i'd happily listen to another uh, another album of this when they release it again in a couple of years no problem at all
0: I think the concept here for Loud to see is just to drop something that people can really fucking bang their heads to, and then be like, "Can't wait to do something longer."
1: You could drop you, yeah, you could drop this in any set, uh, any back, in, in any metal club. You could drop this in any backdrop of any hardcore show along the DJs. People are waiting for the, the band to come on, and it wouldn't send out a place anywhere.
0: I think these would be an absolutely great support band for the next two years. For, for any for any metal or underground metal band, Loud to see could support pretty much any of them. Okay. and and you could put them on first, second, or third, either way, the crowd would be into it, and they'd be turned to the main screen, heavy as fuck these are, and it sounds class. It's one of those things where it's like, I think there's a, you whenever you sound like Lotus Eater, there's, a, there's always the chance of being like, yeah, okay, you just, so you're just heavy, just for the sake of being heavy then, aren't you? But that's not what Lotus Eater do, man, they literally work a craft around how fucking brutal they sound, and yeah. it's wicked, man, I really enjoy it. I'd really recommend this album to anyone who's even slightly into my Uh, because this is just a little bit lighter, a little bit more accessible, but the rhythm section on this, literally, man, it is fucking harrowing how heavy it is. And I'm really into this man, Social Hazard by uh, Lotus Eater. Going to score this a seven for me.
1: Yeah, solid seven for me as well, dude.
0: So we're going to move on to Venom Prison, who released an album actually on the 15th of March, but because of the way we set up our uh, podcast timings, the album is already out by the time we're doing this uh, podcast. Now, I can see this being a review that possibly polarises me and you. So what I would say is that even for me, and I'm into really, really heavy music, man. But even for me, this is, uh, you know, really broad and I'm a breaking point, man. Mm. I don't think in recent memory I've heard an album as heavy as this. It's called Samsara by Venom Prison. Fucking hell. This is just absolutely throat tearing for 45 minutes it is fucking relentless to a level I can't even describe I'll ask you a blunt question then we'll go further in are you into this at all?
1: I don't know, yeah I kind of think I am, but it took me like 4 listens to get there
0: What what is it that's pushing you away? Uh,
1: the fact that in the first 3 listens I thought that sounded like they were falling down the stairs <laughs> Uh <laughs> Like um, <laughs> <laughs> it took it took me four listens to figure out how the songs were going, and I understand I understand, I understand that because I've, I've I've listened to it four four or five times now, and I've read all the reviews calling it like a like a death metal classic like already, uh, and I understand within it. So I have to understand that within the context of the genre, it's probably it's probably going to be a landmark release, and I think that if you look at death metal, it needs a band like Venom Prison that are prepared to stick a lighter up everyone's behind. And really push the boundaries of what extreme metal is, and and really and really chuck it on. Um, so I want to start. I want to start. I'm gonna sort of like give you like a little bit of a a sandwich here. I think some of the things that are turning me off are the mix. I don't think this is mixed well at all. Um, um I think that the symbols, the symbols are too loud and the guitars too loud. Uh, it took me a while to actually figure out how the riffs were going. Now. Someone's gonna listen to this and think, "Oh, it's 'cause you all you do is listen to Metallica." No, 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 no. I listen to I listen to death metal and deathcore quite regularly. I just I I thought that this band was a little bit let down by by the way that it sounded a little bit muddy at times, a little bit sort of cluttered together. That being said, um, I wasn't one to shy away. So after like sort of three or four listens, the the riff started to sort of become more prevalent to me, and the song structure started taking a bit more a clearer shape. And I do recognise it for. A ferocious and excellent piece of work within its genre, and I think it's going to re- and I think it's going to win over a lot of fans uh, in the in the death metal genre, especially those who think that women can't sing in death metal. Because fuck me, yes they can, um, because it's it's guttural and it's ferocious and it's wicked and it's furious and the changes of pace are really really interesting and it really clearly doesn't give a fuck at what people like me think about how a song should sound, because it is just ridiculous. It's like watching a Quentin Tarantino film backwards. Like, it is just insane. Like, with well, the stuff that's sort of going on here. And after three or four listens, that, that, that's impressive. Like, it becomes impressive over time, because at first I was, like, really taken aback. Um, I think some of the guitar work here was tremendous. Yeah, I, the, I, think... The,
0: the, I think every member of this band fucking kills it individually, personally, Um, S- especially I... Larissa.
1: I can't agree here. I think the drum is shit. Um, but uh, You're not into the drums. No, I think I think I think it's terrible. Um, I, I think I think they're too sloppy. I, 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 I do. I think he changes. I think he changes tempo. Uh, I think the transitions aren't great. I think he changes tempo a little bit weakly. I think they just move too quickly, and some of the fills don't fit what he's trying to do. And it just feels like sometimes it's like they pause for just him to just hit seventeen cymbals and three toms and just sort of do a triplet and, and move on. And I think it's. It, it, there's not a lot of technique, it just feels like it's all just sort of rushed in and packed in together. It's a Tasmanian devil of an album, and um, if you want just pure ferocity, this sounds like if you took Cannibal Corpse and mixed it with Slayer and then put it in a blender, but then listen to it while the blender was still blending. Um, like I, I'm, I'm impressed by it, and I think, like I said, within the genre, I think it's going to be a cracking success, and Fairfox because I think death metal needs that. But I I listen to this band and I listen to this album. I think that they're a work in progress.
0: So I I said this when we when we reviewed the single Utterine Industrialisation." That I review a lot of death metal bands, and a lot of it is fucking monotonous and boring because yeah. it all sounds the exactly the same. A lot of it, yeah. A lot of the, like a lot of the albums I review is just. Um, quote unquote band from Eastern Europe. Um, <laughs> he, he, here's the new album. Uh, fucking. And it's just literally the same thing as I reviewed a few weeks ago. And it, it does get really, like, really plaguing to listen to. Yeah, yeah. So, so with Venom Prison, there's something really different. About the way they convey their death metal, and I think some, I think maybe to call them just death metal is a bit of a disservice because uh, they they do branch into extreme metal I, I, in various ways.
1: Yeah, there's but some there's some metalcore and even like classic rock pentatonic scales from their guitarist here.
0: Little bit of hardcore as well, which I'm mm-hmm. always about, you know. Me. Yeah, that was nice. There's there's a real mishmash of genres which I
1: do appreciate.
0: So, but I, I will just say death metal as a whole, just to make it easier for me in terms of the verbiage I'm I'm, I'm going to use to describe it. Yeah. The drum, you, you looked at the drums as a very kind of, uh, like you were, like you were marking one of your essays, right? But huh. for me, but but for me, like I, I really enjoyed the drums because it was the absolute fucking relentless intensity. It was like fucking Usain Bolt just sprinting down a hundred meters, and like the, the like when the gun fires is when uh, the album starts, and hundred meters is where the album ends, and it's just got fucking full on sprint right to the finish, and it's just relentless from from the get go, and it, uh, that's one of the things I found really interesting because uh, like legitimately. There's a solo on the last song on the album, and the last song on the album does escape me, uh, N- Naraka. There's a little bit of a solo on there, and I genuinely think that is one of the only moments on the album where it's not going full throttle.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's there's, there's, um, there's an intro to um, Sora's Realm.
0: Yeah, that well. one as well the, the, is, the, a bit, the, is, is a bit is a bit of a breath taker.
1: It's it's a bit black metally that bit because like there's that that hint of sort of um, atmospheric sort of music in behind as well. And I do appreciate the musical direction that they're taking. Don't get me wrong, I'm impressed, and I think like I said, within the genre, I think it's brilliant, and I think it's a kick up the arse of a lot of death metal bands that are like you describe. There's a song on this album called "Implementing the
0: Metaphysics of Morals." And yeah. I was I was literally like my eyes like got I got googly eyed when I heard when I heard it. They literally drop a breakdown down in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. The, the, the drummer's going along, it's a good boom, and then there's a, a breakdown. then it comes literally they don't build to it at all. And I was thinking, fucking hell man, I haven't heard that in a death metal album in fucking hell. Ages, that's years, true. years since I heard a death metal band just be like, "Yeah, fucking go hundred mile an hour on the symbols, then hit one and we'll drop a death, we'll drop a breakdown." In. And it was so sick. I was like, "Oh, that's fucking awesome, man!" It's because it, mm. it sounds, it sounds all the more bigger by the fact that you just do not see it coming in the slightest. And it's really difficult to surprise me in a death metal album because I've heard so many of them. And death metal isn't my favorite genre either. So Venom Prison were always having a, an uphill battle, like appealing to me because death metal. Isn't isn't where I really find uh, my zenith of enjoyment in music, but but with this album, it's pure unadulterated fucking savagery.
1: Mm, I completely agree.
0: You you, a venom prison, just like you said about City, They ain't trying to change the game here. <laughs> they're no. not trying. They're not trying to bring in anyone else. What they are doing, for me, this is the best death metal album I've heard in years now. Not a whole lot of competition because death metal isn't an, a genre that I pay a massive amount of attention to. But I can definitely say it's better than any album I've reviewed in years in, in terms of death metal genre. I'm, I'm legitimately interested in this listen, and th- the utter violence of this album is is, is fucking mind blowing to me. Yeah, the, uh, the... I think
1: I, I think I think that's I think that's fair. Think, think fair.
0: Larissa Stuper on vocals. I legitimately feel, I I feel like her throat is going to tear on this album. It's like the first time I ever listened to Converge and Jacob Mm. Bannon, Jacob Bannon uh, vocals. I'm literally listening to it thinking like, I feel like you must've been bleeding from the inside when Mm. you were doing this album. It is that heavy. And like I say, for me, it was just bordering on the point where I'm like, yeah, this is too much for me. I'm out. But like it really is bored on that point. But I think that extremism is another part of the reason why I really like it because it really pushes me to the lengths of my tolerance level. For yeah, metal. same. And that is same. difficult. Considering the, the the bands that we listen to, the kind of music that we like, that is difficult. It really pushes me to the edge. And that extremism for me makes me really, really enjoy this. Listening. Yeah, I completely understand why some people would be massively turned off by this style because it is a whole lot to take in. And I believe intentionally so as well.
1: Yeah, I, that that's the thing I was going to point to. Uh, the, one of the reasons why I wanted to I wanted to listen to it over and over again because I've listened to nothing else all day, which is probably the probably the reason why my kids um, my kids at school were just like, "What the fuck is with Mister Lewis this morning?" This <laughs> uh, is nothing but Venom prison since like Sunday afternoon. Because I res- like I didn't get it at first. Like it was just like really sort of like a, like an aberration of sorts, but I respected it. Do you know what I mean? Like, So I was like, I, want, I, wanted to, I wanted to sort of really get into the depths of it and wanted to sort of figure out what is going on. Because really, really, metal was invented to make you feel uncomfortable, make you feel nasty, make you yeah. feel aggressive, make you feel dirty, make you feel unclean. And this is exactly what this fucking does. And at first, I was genuinely like, this is like an unstructured mess. But like, after, after you listen to it for like two or three listens and it, and it starts to shape... You start to see a method in the madness a little bit and how it is differentiated, its, differentiated itself from a genre that you really have felt by now, that I'm sure you would, that if I said to you six months ago, what's death metal going to look like in two years, you'd probably say, well, exactly the fucking same as it looks right now, to be honest with you, Sam, um, because we metal is not really a sort of genre where innovation happens or is even welcomed ever. Um, so, for a band to step um, to step outside of the line a little bit so drastically, and as well, um, remember when we spoke about this. With, uh, there's another example. I can't remember the first time we spoke about this. Uh, it might have been on this this first iteration of the podcast. Venom Prison. are oh, we can put those in the in the group of bands that got heavier on the second album. Yes, yeah, somehow because their first album's brutal, but this is just absurd. Yeah, this is de- this is deliberately obtuse. Um, it's like, oh, you like the first one? Let's try and put off as many of those fans as possible, <laughs> and, tr- and try and try and appeal to like a new, um, new phase of metal fans. Um, so that is impressive in itself. I think as a feat within the genre, I think this is, um, I think this is going to be a kick up the arse that death metal needs. I think this is visceral, um, visceral and furious and nasty and horrible. And I think there's some real, real, real potential for like massive growth here in this band. I also think they need to take the, the, lead, the lead guitarist off a leash a little bit. I feel like they keep bringing him back into the chaos. And then he sort of breaks out three minutes in and drops something, like, fucking amazing. And then he keeps getting pulled back in. I'm like, oh, bring him back? Better get a harmony on the go, man. Let's see what we can do with this. Um, but, like, this is a tornado. This is just a, it's a tornado. It's a hurricane of an album. And if you're into death metal, it will literally bow your away. And if it's not, it will like break your house apart, and you'll wonder why you started listening to it. And that's that's how I feel about this album.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really into this. It just about kept me from my breaking point. I think one more, I think one more throat slitting scream from Larissa, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like, this is too much for me. And like I say, so that's saying a lot considering yeah. the, the the kind of music that we listen to, but. I think it takes balls to do this kind of album oh no um, doubt. no doubt this is a brawl this is a brave and bold move and one thing that i did want to mention is that i, I didn't have the lyric sheet with me for this for this album the the lyrics are legitimately inaudible um
1: but yes they are yeah um, they're,
0: they're inaudible there's there's just no way but uh, supposedly, the lyrics are actually genius, which would probably have helped uh, our review of the album. But there's, I'll have to wait so I can get hold of a lyric sheet somewhere. Uh, but I did want to mention that because I've read several reviews that have said when critiquing lyrics have been like this: "This is amazing." Because usually death metal uh, albums are about beating people up and violence and that kind of stuff. But this is about like um, uh, women being raped and that kind of stuff and uh, abuse. And really intelligently written, so I'm actually really interested to the time where I can get hold of the lyrics because they are legitimately inaudible and uh, intentionally so. And that's not that's not a criticism of the album. Not a lot of death metal lyrics are audible. They they're they're, they're meant to sound the way they are because it sounds aggressive as fuck. I really like this. This is ballsy. And reiterating what you said. Heavy as absolute fuck. It's unadulterated savagery, this is. At no point does this do anything other than rip your spleen out of your body. It is fucking absurd how heavy this album is. And it did, like I say, deep border on a bit too much for me. But I still enjoyed my time with it. I will be revisiting this album again throughout the year. So I am going to go 7.5, Sam.
1: Uh Yeah, I completely agree. I'm going to go 7.5. And just a side note, I've managed to find the review that you mentioned... Um, I'm just going to read you just a, just two of these lyrics. Suffocated stone to death, paid with life for homophobic laws. Those without sin cast the first stone, celebrate the cracking of another backbone. And my personal favourite, a cocktail of amniotic fluids pouring down the operational table. Mate. Yeah. That's, um, some,
0: intelligent sh- that's some intelligent shit, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can't... Con- kind of makes kind of makes Slayer seem like fluffy bunnies don't they in comparison yeah, um, <laughs> I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give this a 7 for me but can I just say a aside now if I was really into death metal this would be a 9
0: yeah if death metal was my favorite genre I'd be like losing my mind this. So I'd be like oh my god this
1: is yeah. the greatest thing that's happening. fucking because like, like, with, with architects yeah, yeah like this is the greatest 100%. thing that's happened to metal in if, years if, if you if you listen to nothing but like proper death metal you're listening to this and it is fucking you're listening to nothing else all year so if i want to like say that seven seven for me seven for sam nine for the death metal genre yeah I, actually you know i
0: completely agree I'm, I'm still gonna say 7.5 for me but for the death metal genre i'm saying like nine i'm so to a game changer here it's yeah. that good if you're into death metal potentially and um wouldn't it be great
1: if the face of death
0: metal was a girl it would be fucking superb, and I will say as well, well-deserved, because Lewis the Super is better than any other death, death metal vocalist that I know.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, can you also imagine the next six months or 12 months, the Thyatis murder venom prison <laughs> tour announcement? Good Lord. I'm not going. Yeah, no.
0: I, I would take out health insurance, like <laughs> like, pro, like private health insurance, so I'm not in a queue when I get fucking my, my teeth broken, my ribs snapped. Oh, oh God. Terrifying.
1: Celebrate the cracking give another backbone, as they, as they <laughs> yeah. the <president> say.
0: I like how You brought that in. Thank you, <sighs> Sam. That is it for. Well, actually, you no, know it's not it. If you're listening, sorry, I've got an interview to drop in as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get to go home now. It's fine. But for me and you, Sam, that is it for another episode of The Noise Podcast. And I, I, I want to say that's my favourite one that we've done so far, actually. Yeah, really uh, that enjoyed was, that, it, man. That was fucking awesome. Um, stick around because my interview with James Joseph is coming on just after this. Um, we talk about holding absence, uh, how, the, how the band came to be, how the album came to be, and thoughts going forward. On the next episode that we come to you with, we're gonna have the album review for the new fucking periphery record Hail Stan, which me and Sam received a few days ago Can't wait I, for that. and I haven't started it yet. I'm All gonna right. start bla- I'm gonna start blasting that in the next week. Uh, cannot fucking wait. I'm I've got no date we'll be into it. That will actually be I'm not sure yet. We're gonna I'm gonna have to see what kind of release are coming up, but that may actually be our last episode until we're back from New York. Um so that episode the way we come back is gonna be filled with probably like an hour and 20 minutes of pro wrestling and what a great time discussion. And then 10 minutes of these are the bands that are good at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right to me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Stick around holding absence interview with James Joseph is coming up. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye. So I'm now joined by James Joseph, bassist in holding absence. James, how are you getting on, man?
2: Really good. Thank you, mate. Yeah. Today's um, album release day. And, uh, we're sort of excited and scared at the same time, I suppose.
0: Yeah, man, um, literally, like, what, what is it like? Album release, like your first, your debut record, man. That must be such a like a riot of emotions.
2: It really is, man. I think it's. it's we never really expected to get here. I, I think um, it was always a pipe dream of ours to do a uh, do an album, or to even to even be in a band long enough to do an album, especially through like a record label and everything. So today, um, we've all been sort of starting about. Um, Cardiff where, where we're all from like trying to see it in like record stores and stuff and constantly checking the old iTunes chart and all that stuff I, I text my mum earlier we just we just beat uh, we just knocked Bon Jovi off, off the 10th spot <laughs> that's
0: amazing <laughs> but, uh, it,
2: to be to be fair I think his, his album's been there for about the last six years so
0: uh <laughs> yeah. to be fair I'd probably say yours is still better <laughs> Bon Jovi Bon Jovi sucked after 96
2: hey no I, I don't want to start a beef with, uh, with John himself <laughs> just yet well
0: I'm not sure he listens to this show um <laughs> like is it like you, you said like it seemed it seems like a bit surreal but like obviously man you put so much work into the album and now you can like you, you can see the physical copy in stores and is it, is it like really you've got that physical copy in your hand and you just feel like yeah it was all worthy
2: i think so yeah definitely man i think it's it's it's, it's always a weird one well, I say it's always this. This is the first one, but it's weird releasing music and then constantly thinking about the next thing. Now I know it sounds. It sounds. I, I'm I'm a really really bad for it in the sense that like some people might just spend the next week celebrating, but I'm sort of here like making notes how we can better ourselves for album two. I know that sounds like really cheesy, but because because we we've, we've been working on it for two years, it's not like it's just something that we've done recently. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to do. Um, to do, like, an album too and just just sort of have another go, really.
0: Before we dive into the daily album, because I have got a million questions to bear with it, uh, first of all, the band backstory, actually, I'm unfamiliar with. So, how did Holding Absence come to be?
2: So, I'll try and condense the story, because um, I've actually been in the band for five years now. However, the band that Holding Absence, as most people know us, is... Uh, since we released Permanent, which was the first song when Lucas was our singer. Um, prior to that, it was um, a slightly heavier band, and we had um, a different vocalist, uh, a guy called Zach, who now sings in a band called Parting Gift. Um, we basically we were all, we were a bunch of sort of friends who were sort of in the middle of uni in in Cardiff. We we've grown up in bands together um, since the age of like fourteen, and. Um, I suppose we were the sort of last people who wanted to form a band out of the ashes of all of our other bands, if that makes sense. Um, we, were, we were very much like the guys who wanted to give the, the stupid dream of music one last go. And that's why we're here today.
0: It's funny, because how I first came across you is being that This Is as 1, that split EP with Low. Oh,
2: sick, man. Yes, yeah. The,
0: the concept of that, i thought it was really cool man that like you did two tracks i did two tracks but how how was it that originally came around was it like you you were friends with a band and you were like hey man wouldn't it be cool if we just did an ep where you do two and we do two and then before you know it, you're in the studio
2: yeah to be fair man like without trying to take take all the credit for it it was it was an idea that i had because i come from uh i come from like a hardcore and punk background for the most part and and it's, it's a much more common thing still done by like like punk and hardcore bands, everyone's always putting out putting out vinyl, uh, you know, split vinyls together. Part of the reason because it's cheaper yeah. to do. But um, we we figured that not many not many sort of like rock bands tend to do that anymore. And um, around the time we were we were very aware of of Lowe's and we were we were super into what they were doing. I, I would go as far as saying they were the only other band in the UK that I would have been happy enough to join in if I wasn't in this band. <laughs> oh, okay, well, that's and, um, interesting. So we we just we just hit it off with those guys, um, and because we were both on Sharp Tone, um, the idea of the split was super easy to, um, to achieve. Really, like the Fair Play to Sharp Tone, like they we presented the idea to them, and even though they had never they'd never talked about the budget for that um, with us or Loathe prior, you know, they signed us and loath just for our for our albums, but. Um, yeah, they facilitated the split and it went super well. We also we also hand picked like we did a we did a pretty hefty UK tour and we hand picked the supports in every in every town. So we had like every other UK band that we love sort of open a show for us in their sort of respective uh, towns or cities.
0: That's awesome.
2: Well it was it was a great time, man. Like it's yeah, still one of the highlights of the band so far, I think. And I think um we'll definitely do some more things with that band at some point.
0: What works so well for that EP is that you've got like White Hop which opens, which is that like really brutal, like carnage hardcore. And then Saint Cecilia by yourselves. That was when I was like, man, this band have got something here. Cause I'm really into being I'm really into Thank being you. as an ocean. And you really oh, like hell yeah, man. you really captured that kind of that. like post hardcore vibe that I think is yeah, um, man, all you got to do is just be like being as an ocean and I'll be interested. To be fair, so as soon as I had oh, something to See," I was like, "Yeah, I'm into this."
2: Uh, thank you, dude. Well, the, you know what was what was the one scary thing about that uh, that split is, I definitely think loads uh, have more cool parts, and they're more of like, without without saying so much about a band that I you know that I'm not in, they they're like, on first listen, their stuff's more impressive because there's like a riff or like a part or like oh my God, it's so heavy or listen to this one bit. Whereas with us, it's like, there's nothing particularly like, you know, there's no show off the like cool musical bit. It's the overall vibe, I guess, with us and like the emotional sort of value to it. So it was a little bit scary being put up against them. But I think, like I said, it's really, really nice working with them and they're, you know, cool. it was just a cool things to do and there's, um, it's a cool listen. Like you said, there's, there's the mad, crazy, hectic bits of White Hot and Servant and Master and then, the sort of more chill bits of Saint Cecilia and uh, everything.
0: So moving on to the debut record, uh, which is out mm-hmm. to die by the time this podcast comes out, where well, they've been out for about a week or so. It's taken a while for you to get to this point. I've uh, ran about two years you were recording for on and off.
2: Yeah, that's 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 correct, man. Was there
0: ever any temptation to be like, this is taking a while? Should we just release an EP, like a solo EP, just so people know that we're still a- about there? Or was it or did you want the whites to, to bring up the craving
2: surprisingly not there so when when we started the band um the we we're very much um fans of albums and and in the sense that like we love album songs by bands, and we love we love albums that feel like every song has to be listened to it like next to the other songs like like there's one big piece of work like some some of our favorite bands include like like thrice who did like the alchemy index or like or like 1975 or like me without you like all these bands where like couldn't really listen to one song without listening to the rest um we did we did reach a point where things were taking a lot longer than than we'd hoped i mean there was a point where we were gonna we was a point where the album was supposed to come out last october and we were just nowhere near finishing due to some internal issues in the band and we we nearly caved and um we got offered the option of compiling the six singles that we did uh so like stuff like permanent and dream of me and Penance um with like two or three new songs i'm I'm so so glad we didn't do that because like when a band and, and not to knock any other bands but when when a band has had songs that have been out for like two years prior to the album, and then I put the album on excitedly, and then I'm like, oh, fuck. I've shared like three of the songs already, yeah, like years ago. I, I, I get a bit sort of, I get a bit bummed out. So I'm, I'm stoked that like, I think let me let me try to think. There was, yeah, we released four songs before our album, so that makes I'm sure that uh, seven, seven new songs for people today to listen to. So like, I think we've really like rewarded people for for waiting.
0: Was that a difficult decision? Like, how close did you come to being like, yeah, okay, let's just do a six-song?
2: Like, we'll, oh, we'll like, we'll add the
0: songs that we've already done, then just put like four or five of the new ones, and we'll work again going forward.
2: I think every every musician just wants to like, as soon as you do a cool thing, be it like a little acoustic bit you do, or or some massive like well produced thing, you want to like you want to like give it to the world straight away. You know, you want to, especially when. Especially when, so we, we got a, a relatively good start and, you know, some people, some great people were singing our praises from day one and then it felt bad that we could not um, sort of show people why people were saying good things about us. Um, so it was like really hard to sit on things. Cause, you know, like one or two of the songs on the album, um, one or two of the songs on the album were sort of written like, oh, like two, two maybe even more than two years ago. Um Yeah, like I said, sitting on them, it's just been crazy stressful.
0: Lucas's lyrics lean quite heavily into mental health, which is actually one of the great things about the record. But does everyone pitch in to the lyrics? Is that like a group decision or is that you give that to Lucas?
2: Um, To be fair, um, there's one or two phrases that he might have taken from other other ideas that have been presented to him. But no, to be fair, for the most part... um, it's it's all him. Uh, to, to be fair, the reason we asked him to join the band was because, at the time where we had a different vocalist, we felt that the lyrics weren't strong enough for the music that we were um, so creating. And, and I think like we we invited him to join the band because we knew that was an area that he was particularly good at in his old band. So, yeah, it's it's, it's all him really.
0: Man, that takes a lot of trust to, what, you've been a band... Uh, by the time the album had come out? By the time you wrote writing the album, how long had Lucas been in the band? Like, what, six months, maybe?
2: Yeah, probably, mate, because... Um, yeah, it would have been. It, because the, we we did two songs before getting signed. We got signed on our... Well, two songs with Lucas before getting signed. Um, and, uh, yeah, when, when the second song, Dream... So those songs were uh, permanent and Dream of Me. When of Me came out sharp got in touch said they'd like to sign us for an album and we just started working on it straight away so it would have been six months in i mean i think it was our first it was our first tour with Luca. so basically um when we when we put that first song out i like booked a diy tour like it was literally like every pub in every small town in the uk and uh i think it was like 20 days in august or something and um it was one of the final days of the tour, and we we had this random message on our Facebook page, uh, like, from from this guy called Sal, and we were like, he was like, "Hey guys, blah blah blah, I'm, I'm Sharp Tone," and we were like, they were quite a new label at the time, and we were like, "Ah, oh, this is just bullshit. No one, yeah. you know, it's just just some guy." And the funny thing is, he he had like a a really like stupid like, um, it was him pulling like a weird face as his um, as his profile <laughs> picture, and we were like, we were like, "Yeah, this is definitely." Not a thing, because you know you you get so many weird people like yeah. uh, mailing the back page direct, and I'm, I'm sure you do with, with, with you know with like the noise page. Yeah, and um, uh, and then we, he was like, no, no, I want to, want Skype you guys, like, um, so we Skyped him, and we we're like, oh my god, there's people behind him packaging records, and there's like, no, there's like, sort like, of discs on the wall and that, and we we're like, this is actually a real thing, and then um, yeah, we we did we did business with them, and and uh, we started on the records straight away. So just bridging
0: off of that, so Lucas only been in the band six months. That takes so much trust for you to be like, yeah, you do the lyrics, man. Like we won't we won't chip in. We'll leave that. We'll put that totally on you. And you, that's probably worked in your favour, yeah, because Lucas has then obviously had the ability to write what he wants. So that gets his creative juices flowing. And then you you've got your comfort in. You've got full faith in him to bang the lyrics, and you're gonna bang the rest
1: of it.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I, we we have a nice like working. Don't get me wrong, we've had some some pretty mental like. <laughs> there's there's a lot of characters in the band, and we all care so much that, uh, that there are times where there are times where we never hang out as mates because it's, we're we're always doing band stuff. So we'll 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 proper like fight with each other without realizing that we're all feeling the same. Do you know what I mean? Like, we it was the other day we went for food together, and we, and I, and it was after a couple of big arguments, and. um I was like, oh, shit, you guys are actually, like... I really like you guys. You're, like, my friends, as well as my... Whereas whereas most of the time, I'm, like, stomping around my flat, just being like, oh, these guys, like... And we're You know, we're arguing over, like, the tiniest thing, like... Like, be it, like, how one of the inner pages of the vinyl looks, or, like, how a, how a Facebook post is worded. <laughs> it's, it's mental, mate.
0: But that's part of the band life, yeah. Like, that's where you learn most about how the band operates, right? When you're arguing.
2: Mm. Well, um... Funny, funny you should say that. Um, so our manager Ryan uh, actually used to be in the band Funeral for a Friend. He used to be the drummer and screamer. Awesome. And and um, it, it's funny because he had to, he run me the other day and he was like, he was like James, just just enjoy it, mate. Like because I was having one of those days and uh, and he, he was just sort of saying he was he was very much the same. You know, they they cared a lot and they were being being. I think being from Wales and being from the valleys and stuff, you you always feel like a bit of an underdog compared to like maybe the bands that start like in London or something and they've already gotten in or something. And we care so much that sometimes, yeah, we do just, we do just drive ourselves crazy. And he was, he was sort of like, mate, just enjoy it. And like, I think that was a massive learning curve as well. Now going into album two, just want to create like the best environment for all of us to kind of just do our thing. And like, remember that like, but, you know, we might not be a band forever. It might be like we might be able to do this thing for another year. We might be able to do this thing for like another five years if we're lucky. You briefly
0: mentioned it previously, but how did the lineup changes affect the band and the writing process, if at all?
2: So um, it's, it's going to sound like it's going to sound like I'm saying this just to say it, but honestly, we thought it was going to. So the main. The main line-up change. Uh, there, there was a, a few little line-up changes, um, but those were people who were, I don't want to say, how do I say it? They were people who were sort of more just live members than sort of creative behind-the-scenes members. Nice. Um, so we had one or, one or two guitarists who had to leave due to personal issues. Like one of, one of the guys um, who's still one of our best friends is moving, moving away to Canada with his girlfriend. You know, he's a little bit older than us. He's got a life that he wants to crack on with. Um, one of the other members is, is away in London, and he he does something different. Um, the main the main member that that was um, the main member that in all other interviews that has come up is Faisal, who um, was the, the other founding member alongside me, um, and he joined, actually went to join Loth, um, and that was the biggest ch- sort of change in dynamic, um, especially because Faisal when we started he was very much. He was very much the music guy for the most part in the sense that I was the sort of business guy. Lucas was the lyrics in the face and then uh, Faisal was the guy who was always behind his computer writing bits and bobs. And when we when we lost Faisal we were sort of like, Oh, this could be really could be really bad because we've got like three or four songs in on the album that are good and we were like, if if there's you know, if if the other songs don't match up, we're gonna have a really rough time. Um but to be honest, the day the day uh Faisal left the next morning, myself, Lucas and Ash, um we were we were a free piece at that point because we were four with Faisal three when he decided to leave. Um we wrote Like a Shadow and um on the first day we got together after Faisal left and that's coincidentally uh coincidentally our our sort of most popular song at the moment. So I mean I think Yeah, we're we're lucky that we just all sort of cracked on. And I'm super grateful that, like, well, everyone in the band now, but especially Ash and Lucas, uh, have sort of been in for the long haul with me. And, like, I think I'll never take it for granted that there's other people out there who, you know, decided to make loads of sacrifices to pursue the band. Because that's that's the trickiest thing, is finding people who really, really want it as much as I think I do.
0: It's funny you should mention Like a Shadow, um, because to go into a backstory of myself with Discovering You, obviously I, I listened to This as 1, I was like, this is sick, these are a really great band, and I can see a future for these. Uh, but then uh, things went really quiet with you for a long time, so um, I, you kind of like just went to the back of my mind, and then I was in Cardiff seeing my mate Jack Holloway, who you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was in the car with him, and he put on Like a Shadow, and I said, dude, who the fuck is who the fuck is this band? This is amazing. And he was like, This is holding oh. absence. I was like, no fucking way, man. They've done this. Because it it like a shadow seemed like such a massive step up from anything I'd heard you do before. Where did where did the concept of that song like begin and end?
2: honestly, mate, like without trying to sound uh, without without trying to sort of badge man Faisal at all, because is one of the most talented um songwriters I know and He's probably one of the most talented people I know. He's, he's an incredible guitarist, incredible like producer. He's just got into photography and he's already one of my favorite photographers. Um, and we're still friends regardless of him leaving the band for loads. But um, the biggest issue with the way he would write, he would write five minute long songs that were completely like um, hashed out, like lead lines, layers, you know, crazy drums. And then he would give that to Lucas and say, "Right, there you go, mate. Sing over that." And and you know, luckily, Lucas is a very good singer. And nine times out of ten, he could he could do something good enough over the top of it. However, like a shadow was the first time we really took a step back and wrote the song around the vocals. Um, very much how I guess I guess how you the the majority of like big bands and like pop bands sort of would do, you know. A lot of a lot of the best songs start on like an acoustic guitar with someone singing or a piano with someone singing. So Lucas came to me uh, over my house with sort of rough chords. Uh, like he he plays a little bit of guitar and then he and then he plays piano and he, he came with the rough chords. Was like, right, let's write a song using this part. So already the song actually lends itself to the vocals a lot more than any of our previous stuff. And and, and going forward, I think. I think we'll be able to do a lot more of that. I mean, um, basically, most of the second half songs on the record um, were, were done like that, and I think it's come out a lot better for it.
0: I was gonna say, man, because like I said on the review, uh, that like like a shadow, I think is the best song of the year so far. I know it came out in mm-hmm. twenty eight. I know it came out in twenty eighteen, but because it's on the twenty nineteen album, I've twisted it a little bit and pretended that it's come out this year. Um, <laughs> oh, and it, you, uh, and, I, and I think that is because what you were just saying. There's nothing like overly. You do you don't try to overly complicate anything on that song. It's just Lucas's awesome voice and a really strong rock background, and that's probably what works easiest for you. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and you know what, it was hard at point. there was a point where we were right in it and we all just felt like unfulfilled because we were like, oh, there's no weird music like, you know, we're musicians in the sense that like everything I actually no, that's that's not totally true, but like every the majority of things I choose to listen now when I'm when I'm wanting to get something out of music will be really left of field things where like stuff that stuff that most people would find hard to listen to, be it be it like extreme metal or like the massy rock thing, or like, or like, any of that sort of stuff. So, so we wrote this simple song. and We were all there, scratching their heads, being like, "Is this good? Like, <laughs> it's, it's catchy and it's like you can sing along to it. But like, obviously." And then, and then, but then, funny, funny thing is, that was the first song I showed my mum, where she was like, "Oh, actually, that's good." Whereas that's most awesome. of our other stuff, she's just, she's just, and she's just being like, "Oh, you know, it sounds like white noise," especially. Especially where like, you know, the cymbals are going health health lever and there's weird kind of rhythms that people can't tap their foot onto. I think I think we'll always still do weird stuff, but it'll be nice to sort of really overindulge in the album songs, but then be more simplistic and like thoughtful when it comes to writing singles.
0: Was there any pressure either internal or external when the recording process was starting to take like when it was getting to the eighteen month period and you're like we've been doing this for, like, a year and a half, um, and, and there's still now, like, full finished end product. Was there anyone that was, like, clock-sticking, guys? Come on.
2: Honestly, um, the, the, the best thing I can ever say about Sharpton Records, you know, they're not the biggest uh, record label in the world. They don't have that many people working for them, but they believed in the band 110%, and they they would constantly just give us more time, and, and they, they would often use the... Um, the one the, our one guy, um A and our guy there, Sal, he would always use the term of like letting it marinate. Like he was just sort of like every week, you know, I'd be like, Oh fuck, I bet he's I bet he's like worried that he's not heard anything but, but you know, he he's constantly on our socials, like looking at things and he's like, Oh, it looks like you had a good show this week, guys, you know, sort of stoked for you. Like we're I don't, I I don't know, I, I think it was starting to get a bit weird because you know what, you know, when bands do take too long and then they just go off the face of the map, especially bands that have a really good start and then just kind of disappear. Yeah. Um, I was getting a little bit, you know, like sort of, I get getting get a little bit sweaty thinking about that, but, um, yeah, luckily I think we timed it, timed it right. We've, we've kept busy enough. The, the split with love like you said, it really helped a lot to bring us back to life for a little bit. Um, and then, uh, just before it got too long again, obviously, then we started with, uh, Shadow and Perish, um, towards the tail end of last year. So, um, we, we sort of found that perfect, like, balance between making people wait and taking too long.
0: So the record was recorded in two parts, which I find, like, incredibly interesting. And was it difficult to acclimatise to this, like, stop, start kind of recording?
2: Um, it was it was yeah, I I think the hardest thing was just like none of us none of us really knew um what what was good and what was bad anymore and like whether I don't think it felt like the dream first album that you maybe think it's gonna be like you know when you watch like a music documentary and a band goes away, five best, especially, especially for debut, it's like five young best friends finding their feet in this amazing studio of this acclaimed producer, and, like, they spent 30 days and and the magic happened. With us, it was like... And then again, not to discredit, like, the producers we've worked with on this this album, amazing, but it was like, right, this week you're in this shed, uh, (laughs) you're going to have a massive argument, (laughs) nearly quit, go home, try. Then the next day, I I, I don't know, go back to work for a couple of days, then the next weekend you're going to try again. And, like... I don't know, we've all matured a lot during the whole process as well, like, and I, I, I spoke to Faisal, the, the member who left during the process um, yesterday on the phone and, and we both agreed that it was like, it it, ha- it just happened for a reason and, like, everyone's come out the other side better, like, we've all learned things about ourselves um, so, like, him leaving forced me to, like work on songwriting a lot more than I'd ever done before and it, it taught him to sort of how how better to work with other people, and he's now killing it in, in his new band. So yeah, it was just a long, a long old, uh, long old process, but can't change it now. we I think it makes it more special. For um, oh sorry, I just I just bumped into Lucas's parents. Hello, you're <laughs> right? I'm doing an interview for the band now. I'll see you in five. <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you. See you. Uh, yeah everyone knows everyone in Cardiff basically So um, <laughs> yeah I've experienced them, it. They, they, they've been to HMV I'm guessing bless them I would, I would hope so oh mate but um yeah I think a super super long experience we've all matured through the whole thing and, and I think that just makes it even more sweeter now finally getting it out and, and just being proud of what we of the journey the memories more than anything like like I don't even know what I think about the songs anymore. I'm just like, I'm trying to do some new ones.
0: You've heard but, them that um, many times, that like they just sound like white noise now.
2: Yeah, yeah, literally. The only thing I wish we'd done different. I wish we'd have had had the budget to do a documentary, because it, be like, it would be like that Metallica one where they all get a counsellor. I think some, uh, kind, of yeah, yeah. some <laughs> kind of monster.
0: Some kind of monster, Man, that's an amazing documentary, that is, Jesus. Um, <laughs> just as we get to wrapping up the interview here, I've got a couple more questions. Yeah, yeah, sure, man. There aren't a lot of bands that say, like, holding absence now, especially in the UK. This Mm -hmm. might be difficult for you to answer, but, like, do you see yourselves as potentially being a band that can really be flag bearers for this kind of, like, post-hardcore emotive rock?
2: I think so, yeah. I think. The one thing, though, I would say is, I. A lot of the the one massive misconception about the band, and I, I've seen it a few times like where people would like throw around the term like sad boys or like I, it, it got a bit popular like a couple of years back where like all these melodic hardcore sort of like emotive hardcore bands were emerging, especially with the, with the um, YouTube channel uh, Dream Band becoming super popular. Yeah, yeah. And everyone was throwing around the term like sad boys and this and that. And I was like, <sighs> we will never be. You know, a sad band. We will never be a happy band. We are just a band. We we're just humans, and we're trying to like use emotion as a reason to write songs and like sort of just understand that we are human, and that's that's probably the most like purest thing you can write music about. And I think that's I think that's why we've got such a like a dedicated following, and and why people when people like get into us, they get like, really into us, which is which is really cool. I'm it's a special feeling to be part of for sure.
0: Just finally, but, in terms of going forward, what lessons do you think you've picked up from this day of yourself to a record that you would implement that would improve the band going forward when, if and when Album 2 comes around?
2: Um, I think knowing what's best for the band and trying to like keep personal um, personal preference out of it. Um, luckily, I've, I'm doing a side project at the moment where like, perhaps I can be a little bit more obsessive over and maybe scratch the niches that like I haven't been able to do with this band because when I when, when I started Holding Absence with Faisal we were planning to sound sort of well not, not totally different but we were we were planning to sound very very different to how we sound now you know we wanted to be more of a hardcore band really like like a half heart or or like a landscape so that sort of like the heavier heavier realm of like melodic hardcore um and obviously I, I love how things have progressed and I'm I'm super proud of what we do now but um that's a big thing is, is just knowing, knowing what is best for holding absence because holding absence is bigger than any of us. And and trying to really mature and, and make decisions for the best of the band instead of, instead of that. Um, the other thing is just to try not to get too caught up in it all and remember that like there's more to life than like chasing, try, try not to let like the, the whole like industry thing, like consume you. It is really hard though. Like, uh, like, you know, I have my head in my phone like every single day trying to do bits and bobs to the band and I, I don't often come up forever and I like... Between now and album two I really want to find a nice balance between like... working working like smart and like working hard and just looking after like mental health a little bit more and like trying to remain friends with the other band members and things like that.
0: Man, the greatest thing about this album is for me this doesn't seem like your ceiling at all and that's what excites me the mouse man. Like... I'm really into the record and it's grown on me like uh, when I first listened to the album I, was, I wasn't I was 100% I was in on it and I said on the review it took me a few listens to be like right I'm starting to really get it now and the best thing for me is that I think you've got the uh, awesome awesome future ahead of you man um, oh, I'm, you, I'm man. already thank really you, looking man. forward to uh, album 2 man would you believe <laughs> although I wouldn't put that pressure oh, on you just yet
2: oh mate I don't mind let's, let's, let's crack on I'll, I'll see if the boys fancy a go tonight
0: <laughs> Dude, it's been awesome talking to you, man. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, The new Holding Absence album uh, is out on the 8th of March. By the time this interview comes out, it will already be released. We beg you, check it out, man. It's fucking awesome. James, uh, thank you so much for coming on.
2: Oh, mate, a pleasure. I'd love to do it again sometime. Cheers, dude. Take it easy, man.